So chapter 4 in Acts, verses 32 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in, all, in them all that they were, there were no needy persons among them. For from time, sorry, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought it, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Well, what a wonderful time to gather and focus on God's word. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, and so I'm going to just say a prayer, and then we're going to dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray that your word would encourage us, that this uh, early church passage would uh, teach us something about who you are and how we can be an encouragement to each other. Uh, We love you, Lord. Uh, We love your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, every church has a culture. A culture is kind of uh, the character of who you are, your, kind of your ethos. Uh, it doesn't matter how big you are or how small you are, every church has a type of culture. Now, some churches have like a culture of excellence. Uh, I think you especially see this in like the big churches, right, where they have like amazing preachers and, and cutting-edge worship teams. Uh, you can also see it in uh, all other types of churches. Some churches have a culture of evangelism or missions where they're constantly getting out there and sharing about Jesus and, and talking with others about him or they're, they're raising up missionaries and sending them out or they just they support a lot of missionaries. And so that's maybe a culture of missions or evangelism. Uh, some churches have a, uh, an invitational culture. The church just kind of grows because everyone uh, is enjoying the church and they're just constantly inviting. Uh, And so that's how the church grows. Some churches have a a service culture. They love to get out there and serve the needs of others, caring for the poor and needy, the least of these. Some churches have a culture of fellowship or a welcoming culture where they really just do life together really well. They love spending time together. Uh, They enjoy each other's company. Uh, New people come in and and just feel welcomed and at home. So there are a lot of different cultures that different churches can have. Uh, And these are all like the good ones. There's, Of course, I'm sure we could come up with a list of negative ones, but we just want to focus on uh, one culture in particular today, a culture of encouragement. And I want to ask this question right here. uh, What does a culture of encouragement look like? What does a culture of encouragement look like? So if I were to stop uh, someone and, and follow up with someone who has attended Cornerstone recently and ask what our culture is like, what would it take for them to say, well, your church is just a really an encouraging place. I, was, I just felt encouraged when I was there. And so today I want to cast that vision. What, what can we do? How can we become a culture of encouragement? Uh, and I think our text today really casts that vision. And I think you're going to see that like, we are already in the process of becoming a culture 
of encouragement, right? We're not starting from, from blank. Like, we're, we are on our way to becoming that. And, and I think like all things in the Christian journey, it is a journey. It, uh, it, is, a, it is a path. It is a walk. Uh, and so hopefully today, uh, we're going to get like a snapshot, a, a Polaroid picture of what it means to be a culture of encouragement and learn different ways that we can be in, uh, in encouraging each other in practical uh, and meaningful ways. So at first, it kind of helps to define what a culture of encouragement is going to look like. And we're going to really focus on this, a culture of encouragement and what it is defined by. I want to read the first half of verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, All believers were one in heart and mind. All believers were one in heart and mind. Now, uh, if you remember kind of the story of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches, and it says 3,000 people uh, come to the Lord. 3,000. So this, this is like a big church. This is a mega church. And, and then in Acts chapter 4, earlier in the passage, it said, and then their numbers grew to 5,000 men who knew the Lord. So they've kind of gone from 3,000 to 5,000, but that doesn't include like the women and children. So clearly this is a big church. Is that just people in Jerusalem? I think it probably is kind of some of the outlying villages, the region of Judea. I think it's really growing. It says they're, they're, they're all of one heart and one mind or one soul. And one commentary I read said this means like they are they're, they're like one in spirit. They are, they, they are experiencing all these believers, all these Christians, they're experiencing real friendship. So I think a culture of encouragement is first defined by just something really basic, friendship. Real friendship. We care about each other. It doesn't matter how small your church is or how big your church is. It can be a place where people are truly loving each other and caring about each other. A culture of encouragement begins with friendship. You have to know what's going on in each other's lives. Otherwise, we're just like, if we're just kind of, uh, brushing by each other, we're kind of like motivating each other, like motivational speakers, but we're not really, we're not really like getting into each other's lives and encouraging each other. Uh, someone told me, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. If we want to create a culture of encouragement, we need to, to love on each other. We need to spend time together. Now, I was kind of reflecting on this a little bit during the week. I do think we spend meaningful moments together as a church body, right? We have our Sunday morning services. We have some of these community groups. But there are lots of times throughout the week, especially during the day, that we're not really brushing shoulders. And uh, there's a reason for that, right? <laughs> you're busy, you're parenting, or you're going to work. Uh, we're kind of going about our lives. But there are ways that we can be encouraging each other as we go throughout the week. We can send text messages to each other. You know, here's what the Lord was teaching me uh, in my uh, devotional time this morning. Or here's what's on my heart. Or here's the song that I heard on the radio as I, I drive, drove to work, and it really encouraged me. Uh, or, uh, you know, we can, we can schedule, like, uh, just times to get together over a meal. Uh, or if you're not working, maybe a, a Bible study during the day. Because we don't want to limit our, like, our time of friendship to just those moments where it's, like, programmed and we're gathered as a church body. Uh, the, the, we have a time of fellowship after the service and maybe between the Christian ed hour uh, and the church service, but I mean, that's maybe 20, 30 minutes on a Sunday uh, morning. I don't know if that's really enough to dive into each other's lives. 
there's an author and Christian counselor named Larry Crabb, and he, he said once, he said, I heard two men talking in a public restroom. I saw a great movie this weekend, said one. Me too, replied the other. Then they left. <laughs> How was your week? Good. How was your week? Good. See you next Sunday, right? <laughs> Sometimes we can fall into this pattern, and we don't want that. You know, it, it, it's easy to say, like, how are you, and like, good, and you just kind of keep going. But like, we need to stop and pause and really dive into each other's lives and see how we're actually doing. Uh, and so I want to challenge us. A couple weeks ago in a sermon, I encouraged you all to try to invite someone over to your home for dinner or for a meal or to go out for a meal that you haven't typically done that with, or maybe it's been a long time. So if you haven't yet done that, I want to encourage you to try to be intentional about reaching out to someone in the community that you haven't spent as much time with and do this. Uh, and if you have, great. Uh, let's continue to develop and uh, encourage those relationships. And so a culture of encouragement is defined by friendship. And to me, like, friendship is one of the most important things we can have uh, as just human beings, right? We need friendship. We need to have friends. We can't go through life without them. And God knows us. So like, if, we, if we pause and just think about God himself, right? We believe in one God who's also three persons, all right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means God in himself is relational, now, you are made in the image of God, and that means you are made for relationship. You are made to be in relationship, and sometimes it's easy because life gets so busy, or maybe you're feeling a little introverted, and so it's hard to enter into those relationships. Well, God calls us to be in relationships. That doesn't mean you have to be in relationship with everyone, everywhere, but we are called to have those intimate, deep uh, friendships. because so we want to reflect who God is. That's how God designed us. And, and praise be to, to the Lord, like in, in Jesus' plan, he created this place called the church where we could begin to enter into friendships, enter into relationships. And so a culture of encouragement just starts with getting to know each other by being friends with each other. And number two, a culture of encouragement is defined by generosity, uh, verse 32 continues, it says this, No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Uh, then if you skip down to the second half of verse 33, it says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or households sold them, brought the money from the sales, uh, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Uh, Sometimes it's easy when we read these passages to be like, well, does that mean like we're, as Christians, we're all supposed to be like communists? Like what? Uh, are we supposed to like uh, get rid of our capitalistic system and, and do this other thing? Uh, it's interesting that our minds even go there. I don't know if your mind went there, um, but that just shows like how much your mind is, is shaped by the culture when you approach the scriptures, uh, to even ask that question. Uh, because the scriptures uh, is laying out God's plan, and God's plan is meant to be a little countercultural, a little uh, very much different. And we see in God's plan in Acts chapter 4, as it's describing this encouraging, wonderful church, church community, we just we find a culture of, of generosity, right? That's part of a culture of encouragement. We find a culture of compassion for the poor and for the needy among them. They're going to take care of each other. 
If this is friends, what do you do for your friends? You take care of your friends. If your friends are in a time of need. And really, this, this is like a, an extended church family. We see them caring for each other. And this is amazing, right? Because there's, what, 5,000 uh, men and if not more women and children in this church family. And they're all taking care of each other. They're, they're sacrificing for each other. Uh, those who have are giving to the have-nots. Uh, they're, they're willingly bringing their offerings to the apostles who are then distributing to those who are in need. Uh, I read uh, one uh, book that said uh, that the middle class in our culture, right, we, uh, the middle class was only about 10% of the people. And not all of those 10% in the middle class would have owned homes. Uh, and only about 4 to 7% of the people were in the upper class. So, you know, at the max, you have 17%, 14 to 17% of people in Jerusalem who could have owned homes. So probably even less than that, maybe 10% who owned homes. So if we were to look at Cornerstone, uh, we have roughly 88 members and attenders. Uh, It would mean about 15 of us own homes. And that's not distinguishing between, like, the adults and the children's. That means like Tobin could be like a a land baron. Uh, He could own his own home. It would be pretty sweet. Uh, But that wouldn't be many of us. And wouldn't it be amazing if like we were willing to even give up some of our land to or property to to sell it and, and to give to each other in need? Like that would be incredibly encouraging. I think one of the most encouraging things to me is when I see other people sacrificing for those, or people sacrificing for me, or, or, uh, or people sacrificing for each other. It's just incredibly encouraging. And I think we at Cornerstone already do this in some ways, in many ways. Uh, we have kind of the formal way we do it as a church through a benevolence fund where you can donate to that. There's a box in the back of the sanctuary where you can put uh, offerings specifically for benevolence, and that's if someone within our church body is in need. They can kind of submit their request to the deacons, and the deacons uh, review it, and uh, they can uh, take care of it. Uh, and so that's a way that we can uh, encourage one another in the church family. Uh, but what if, what if you're not in that like 10 to 17% uh, upper middle class uh, in our own culture? What if you don't have a lot of money or land or property that you can get rid of or, or assets or whatever? Well, one uh, resource, a visual guide to Acts, which I love, it says, if you are rich in something, be generous with it. So that could be money, but that could also be friendship, right? If you are someone who has a big heart for lots of people, be generous with your friendship. Or uh, if you love people, having people into your home, be generous with your hospitality uh, or your property or your time or your skills, right? Many people have something they can do, like you can, you can uh, uh, do laundry or you can, uh, you know, work with your hands. Some of us are not very gifted with, like, handy work around uh, the house. Uh, and so others have blessed me and been generous uh, to me. I can do lo- a mean load of laundry, a mean load of laundry, uh, but I can't uh, do many repairs. Uh, and so people have uh, helped me in that, but we can help each other. We can be generous uh, and encouraging uh, in each other's life. So the, the principle is encouragement. You don't have to sell your house, um, but I guess you could if you want to. Uh, but it's also based on the need, right? There was a need that they were trying to meet. They weren't just selling assets uh, and, and giving it to the church. They were trying to meet a need. Uh, Hebrews 10.24 is this incredibly uh, encouraging passage. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Generosity is a, 
an amazing way to spur one another on and just encouraging each other, showing one another like what God is doing. Uh, uh, a couple of months ago, I'm not exactly sure when it was, earlier this year, I think. Uh, so I'm in this program called the Akengay Fellows Program up at Gordon-Conwell, and there's different participants. There's about 14 of us. Uh, and a woman uh, who's participated in that program, she got in a really bad car accident. Um, she got, I think she was T-boned, and then her car rolled a couple times. Uh, and she's been in the hospital uh, for over a month, and then she, she got out, and she's in rest and recuperation and one of our cohort mentors, so these are the, the two guys that are in charge of leading the cohort, called her and was just checking in on her, trying to be an encouragement to her. Uh, and he asked, you know, is there anything that I can do for you? Is there anything that, like, you would like? And she said, well, I'd love to listen to some of your sermons, so would you send me some of those? And he said, sure. And so apparently he uh, sent her some sermons, uh, and she listened to them all in one day. And when I heard that, I was, I was encouraged, right? Like, I was convicted. I was spurred on towards love and good deeds. I wanted to do something for Centuria. And so I called her uh, and got a hold of her, and we talked, and uh, we were messaging through Facebook as well. And, and so um, you ever use, like, Grubhub? <laughs> Grubhub? So I just delivered a meal to her home. I ordered it through Grubhub. I'd never used Grubhub before. This almost sounds like I'm sponsored by Grubhub right now. Uh, this moment is not sponsored by Grubhub. Uh, but there's a way that, you know, even I could get her a meal all the way down in Boston. And so, and so that's what I did. And I called her and we were talking on the phone and hearing her story. And I was like, well, is there anything else I can do for you? And I was kind of hoping she'd be like, send me your sermons, Jonathan. She did not ask me to send her my sermons. Uh, so I just felt like that was from the Lord. Uh, uh, and so I kept going. But it, it, was, it was cool, right? Like, I heard his act of generosity, what the Lord laid on his heart, and then it inspired me. And so maybe this week you will have an act of generosity. You'll have a moment that you can go above and beyond what is normal to do something encouraging for each other as a church family or maybe on your front line, maybe uh, this time tomorrow when you're at your workplace or you're with your classmates or with your, with your friends, God will put something on your heart that you can be an encouragement to them. I know sometimes we read, maybe you're thinking that passage, Matthew, it says, when you give to the needy, do not let, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I think there is something to, well, we don't want to tell everyone, like, oh, look what I did. But sometimes I think we miss the opportunity to encourage one another and, see, and say, like, look at what God did, and he happened to use me. Isn't that great? Like, don't you want to do something too? And I think it's okay to share uh, sometimes when God works through us uh, because it's encouraging and it spurs us on. A culture of encouragement is defined by friendship, by generosity, and also by hope. Verse 33, uh, it says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This hope is not just like any kind of hope. This hope is only hope that Christians have, that is rooted in Jesus and what he has done for us. See, this hope is called resurrection hope. Resurrection hope. It's the hope uh, and it's the, the belief, the trust that the Jesus came into our world, that, that Jesus uh, is God come into our world to rescue us, and he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and he came and he was crucified. He was crucified as a sacrifice for our sins. And thank be to God, that is not the end of the story, right? Because Jesus did not stay dead. If Jesus had stayed dead, it would be pointless for us to be here. 
But Jesus actually rose again from the grave, proving that he had paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And he rose again three days later. And now if we repent and believe in Christ Jesus, we receive forgiveness. We receive life. And so that's the resurrection, right? That resurrection is what defines us as Christians, that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's not just that resurrection that we believe in. Do you know we actually believe in another resurrection? We believe in our coming resurrection because we're all going to die here. Uh, And one day Christ is going to return and the trumpet's going to blast and Jesus is going to raise us from the grave so that we can spend eternity with him and with each other. We'll be raised to new and eternal life. That's, that's hope. And just knowing that, like, if, some, if bad things happen to us or if we die, like, that is not the end. As believers, we have resurrection hope, and it should change the way we think about things. My, my friend Joe, uh, he was with us this week at my house, and he is gifted in encouragement, encouraging others. And we got uh, breakfast at the best breakfast place around Cracker Barrel, I don't know if you've been there. It's the best place uh, for breakfast. Uh, and it reminded him, as we were getting breakfast, we were talking, and, and he reminded me of just how the resurrection uh, should give us hope in the things God is calling us to do. Because right? sometimes God calls us to do little things. Sometimes God calls us to do big things. Whatever God is calling us to do, like we can do it because Jesus rose from the grave. Right? Everything else that God calls us to do uh, is, is not as big as that. <laughs> and so if Jesus can rise from the dead, God can do whatever he wants to through us. And in and and, and us, he's, he's building this culture of encouragement, right? But just this knowing that, okay, hope defines me. Hope changes my perspective. Hope changes how I th- see things because we have that ultimate hope of resurrection. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we truly believe in the resurrection? And if we do, do other people know it? Do they sense it on us? These people are defined by this unearthly hope, by this supernatural hope. Do they smell the resurrection on us? Uh, We want to have so much hope uh, through Christ and through his resurrection uh, that, it, that it shapes us, that it, that it changes us, that it molds us as a community. So a culture of en- encouragement is defined by friendship, by generosity, by hope. And our, our last one is this. Uh, a culture of encouragement uh, is defined by people. A culture of encouragement produces people of encouragement. Or is it People who are encouraged produce a culture of encouragement. So which came first, like the chicken or the egg? Is it people that create the culture, or is it the culture that creates the people? Well, I think there's a little bit of both, but I think it starts with individual people. And we see this in the passage. Uh, We see a person who is an encouragement, who helps cultivate that community. Uh, Verses 36 and 37 say, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means a son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So there's a man named Joseph who is a Levite. Now, uh, Levites don't typically own land. Uh, The Old Testament law forbid it. 
Uh, and, uh, and so the, I don't know if it's because he like, grew up in Cyprus. That means he didn't grow up in Israel. He didn't grow up uh, in kind of the typical place uh, near Jerusalem. Uh, but he owns land, and he takes some of that land, and he sells it. Uh, and uh, he then takes it to the apostles and gives it to them. And the apostles are so encouraged by him, they rename him from Joseph to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, if we look, if we stop and we look at the kind of the broader story of the book of Acts, and we see all the places where Barnabas appears, we see a man who truly is someone who encourages others. And we see him rise up over and over again. Uh, Barnabas really lives this out. He is a friend uh, he sticks with Saul. So he's one of the first people uh, when Saul, so who's going to be renamed Paul, uh, Paul, after his conversion, uh, you know, he's preaching in Jesus' name, but the disciples are afraid of Saul, of Paul. And so uh, Barnabas sticks up for him and says, you know, I saw, Je- uh, Paul, or I saw Saul uh, preaching in Jesus' name. You can trust him. And so he truly is a friend, uh, and he sticks up for others. Uh, he's generous. Uh, we see that in this passage. Right here, he sells a field, right, and gives it to the apostles. He is generous. Uh, number three, he is hopeful. Uh, there's a part in Acts chapter 11 uh, where he, it says he, like, he encouraged the whole church. He speaks words of life to the church. He encourages them that well, what God is doing. And then in Acts chapter 15, there's this interesting story where uh, he is defined by, um, as a person of encouragement, because he sees what God can do in other people, uh, even when others don't. Because later in Acts, in Acts chapter 15, Paul gets frustrated with uh, a man called John Mark, a young man, because he bails on him. He's trying to do ministry. And yet Barnabas kind of stands up for him <clears throat> and gives John Mark a second chance when no one else will. He is a true friend. It's kind of sad, though, because he loses his friendship with uh, with Paul, at least for a time there, and they go their separate ways. But I do see Barnabas as someone who, who sees the good in others, sees what God can do in others. So it's not just like a blind seeing the good. It's, it's really seeing what God can do in and through others. And so he helps define this early church culture, and he, and he helps spread the message of encouragement through Christ and what he can do. And so I really want us to, to be challenged by Barnabas. I, I think this passage that Paul writes later in 1 Thessalonians uh, is just right on with what Barnabas is doing. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, just as in fact, you are doing. Jesus calls us to encourage one another, to be Barnabases to one another. And so, think about how you can be a Barnabas this week. Who can you encourage? Who is God placing on your heart or your mind that you're like, man, I really, I'm going to write them a little note to encourage them, to thank them for something they've done, or to say, like, you're doing a good job. Uh, Or maybe I'm going to stop and, like, speak words of encouragement, words of life uh, to someone that God has in my life. Or maybe it's someone you don't even know, and you're going through, like, the the grocery checkout line at Market Basket, and you just tell the, the bagger, like, you're doing a good job. Thank you for what you're doing. Or when you're getting your coffee, you speak words of encouragement, words of life. And so how can we be an encouragement to each other as a church body, but then also this time tomorrow or later in this week, as you're with your classmates or coworkers or wherever God has called you, 
How can you be an encouragement in that setting? Do people know you as someone who is an encouragement? I think it wouldn't be bad if we were all known as people of encouragement and then they all knew that we were Christians too. (laughs) That would be a pretty great way to be defined as a people, as a church. A culture of encouragement is defined by friendship, uh, generosity, hope, and by people. So I want to return to our opening question and ask, what does a culture of encouragement look like? Really, we can rephrase this to say, what can a culture of encouragement look like at Cornerstone? It looks like us grabbing breakfast together or a meal uh, to pray together, to study God's word together, to speak truth and life into each other's lives. It looks like us inviting each other to play games in our homes or to come over for a meal and spend time uh, together uh, during dinner. It looks like us going on fun outings together or doing uh, ministries together, like things like the trunk or treat where we're, we're getting and we're kind of playing and we're serving our community, community together. Uh, it looks like us really taking the time, uh, trying during our weeks to really see how each other are doing and to not to go beyond the surface so that we can really encourage like our hearts and what's going on in our lives. It looks like, you know, if you know someone who's in need and, and struggling with a medical bill or, or car repairs, either donating to the benevolence fund or, or slipping like an envelope of cash into their purse so that they can deal with what they need to deal with. A culture of encouragement looks like us uh, hosting a church-wide yard sale so that we can send some kids to France or, or uh, help out with another need. It looks like all of us having hope, hope that is defined by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that if God can raise his son Jesus from the dead, he can do anything. Uh, that creates hope for the future. That creates hope for our church, hope for our ministries, hope for the community of Westford, hope for this town. Hope for anyone who comes through our doors, no matter what they're going through or how bad it has been. We have hope through Jesus Christ, and that can be a a, a culture of uh, encouragement. Most of all, a culture of encouragement, it looks like us. (laughs) It looks like people. It looks like me and you going out of our way to tell each other that we can do it or that Christ can do it through us. God is at work. It looks like us believing in each other's giftings, the ways God has called us and and enabled us and given us talents to serve him and to to flourish in our lives. And it looks like us going out into our world, onto our front lines and and throughout our week and and speaking words of life, words of encouragement there as well. I think we already have a culture of encouragement here at Cornerstone, but I also think that God is not done with us yet. That was what Paul was saying earlier, to encourage one another uh, as you are already doing. And so let's pray together. Let's stop and pray that God would create and continue to create a culture of encouragement at Cornerstone and in our lives. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you are doing in Cornerstone. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives. I pray that you would Make us into Barnabases, that we would be people who are uh, known as encouragers and that we would be willing to to even sacrifice uh, for each other and for each other's needs. Lord, we love you so much. We're excited to see how you are going to encourage us through your people and what you are going to do in our church body. We love you, Lord. We pray for the offering. Would you bless it? Would we use it wisely? Uh, Would we use it to encourage one another 
uh, and to encourage even those outside of our doors. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.